lizards. Two wizards. Starting to feel that nip in the air, but it's still warm enough to uh, get some hot dogs. And we did. We just had some very simple hot dogs. Got some chili. Had had chili dogs. And as I'm outside grilling, Ooh, nice. I'm like, how did all of these leaves start turning color? <laughs> Like, just just yesterday, they were bright, verdant, lively green, and now a third of the yard is just orange and yellow and red. What the hell's going on? Oh, damn. <laughs> yeah, man. Which is at least something, because I know they're in the valley. It's like, oh, the aspens are turning, and then three days later, it's just dead and sticks and winter. So, mm-hmm. yeah, man. Weird. It hasn't happened yet. We're still, I don't know if we're behind or it's been too damn warm or what, but mm-hmm. we were up in the high country this weekend and there was, they hadn't started oh, yeah. it either. So I don't know what's going on. Actually, yeah, because that's uh, Cochitope Pass, right? That you go through? Poncha? Oh, no, yeah, no, yeah, you, you're right. Cochitope's further up. But yeah, Poncha Pass. That's a, yeah. that's a gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, I was, man, I've been out of Colorado for too long. Might have to have my <laughs> centennial state card taken away from me but um but no uh poncha pass is a great drive it's a great drive to see the aspens yeah but uh but well hey man at least you get to hold on that a little bit longer uh because here we're we're i think pretty well into the thick of it here um have to do a do a do a pumpkin like a like a pumpkin patch pick your own pumpkin kind of thing you know we just talk about farm uh yeah, yeah, like farming on our, on our last week's episode. So, do that. Get some mm-hmm. apples. Make some apple cider. Do the whole thing. Because I think, I think you gotta make your nasty liquor <laughs> apple sauce again. <laughs> I was so, I was so sad. I was actually okay. No, this is hilarious. Because see, so yeah, I went through that whole thing, uh, and then the missus was and you know added the Camden tablets, add the yeast. Then we just mm-hmm. we just forgot about it. We just like forgot that that was there. <laughs> And so it was, yeah, I think like March or April, uh, like half a year later, sitting in this fermentation bucket. I was like down in the basement doing laundry. And I was like, oh, shit, that's a thing still. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, and I popped the lid and I heard this voice say, at last I'm free. Uh, no, no, it was just gross. Oh, so, no. yeah. So I just I just chucked it out and washed it real good. So, but, he, you know, maybe, hey, maybe this year. It'll be a little better, but yeah, um, yeah. You know what else takes a lot of time? <laughs> I, was, I was also going to say, <laughs> but you know what else sometimes improves with age, or maybe not, or will start making weird noises. <laughs> say what's that, Josh? It is this the Two Wizards podcast. Welcome everybody. Thank you for joining us uh, here for a new installment of the Two Wizards podcast uh, at Two Wizards Pod C One. My name is Josh, and I'm a wizard. And my name is Mark, and I am a wizard, and yes, welcome back. Josh, you know, this is the most wonderful time of the year. Yeah, it is, truly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not only was my birthday literally yesterday when this episode drops, Woo! but damn it, ooky spooky season is upon us, dude, and I am just so horned up for it. So good. Yeah, so good. I I, I don't think it's 
becoming like so popular and so much of a meme that my like natural hipster urges kick in where I'm like, I like spooky season before everybody else started liking it and before it was cool. Uh, but but I, I don't know. And maybe that's just part of maturing too. Like I, I'm getting excited that other people are getting excited for spooky season. Uh, and, and yeah, it's great, man. It's great. Yeah, it is. And with that being said, before we get into tonight's topic, buddy, what is in our wizard's mugs? Because I hope yours is as terrible as mine is. Oh, okay. Well, well, you gave me a, a bit of homework, um, and I was a little unsure. I, I, actually, this was kind of funny. So, just kind of running behind on, on a few things. Um, the 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 Mrs. Wizard and I both went out to to, to, to get this week's potable, and so that was kind of fun. Uh, and so, with her help, I found this from Jackie O's. Uh, longtime favorite of the Two Wizards podcast. They're uh, Chomolungma Brown Ale with Honey. And it has a pretty sweet can uh, with, uh, yeah, what looks like a, like a Tibetan Yeti kind of thing on it. Uh, I'll take a picture okay. and then upload it. So yeah, this is a Brown Ale with Honey. Um, I don't know if it has any flavor text, uh, but it just says brewed with Ohio wildflower honey. So Chomolungma, uh, 6.5%. ABV. All right. Yours is a lot better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> I got a 40 of Mickey's. Oh. Because it has a B on it. Baby, yeah. That's. <laughs> oh, man. Because I know we did uh, 40s and malt liquor with, with some Lovecraft. Uh, but yeah, that was cold 45. I'm trying to remember the last time I had Mickey's. It was probably one of those wild heydays uh, at Adam State. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I just opened it, and I'm pretty sure I had an allergic reaction to it. I <laughs> my, my eyes swelled up. My throat gets tight. <laughs> well, <laughs> I really I, get a beer pong all of a sudden. Yeah, well, well, because wasn't there somebody that, like, that was their go-to like That was Brad's drink. Yeah, Brad right. was all about it. My co-host on I Can't Wait to Show that the Kids. That is right, yeah. yeah. He, yeah, that was his. That was his drink of choice. <laughs> drink of choice. Well, I guess here's here's to you, Brad. Uh, hope you're doing well. Uh, here here's on you, buddy. Here's on you, buddy. Uh, cheers. Cheers, good buddy. Ooh. Oh wow, I can't even get it down. That's amazing. Oh. <laughs> we. How's yours? Ah, uh, this is this is delightful. Uh, I haven't had this one before. Yeah, yeah it's a, it's a, it's very much. Um, uh, not quite as dark as Burnt Toast Stout from Three Barrel, but very much in that same kind of vicinity. This is this is good drinking. Mm. All right. Well, hey, Mark. So I had this thing where there's a beer that's brewed with honey. Uh, Mickey's has a bee on it. And this was also so cute. The Mrs. Wizard, when she was helping helping me pick this out, because uh, because I don't know what the topic was, she didn't know what the topic was, and so she had like she was having the most delightful time trying to guess. And so like, oh well, could the episode be about this, or could it be about that, or could it be about? And I was like, well, honey, I guess I get honey. There we go. I I, <laughs> I guess we'll just have to see. We'll just have to see. You know, uh, at the eight minute mark or so. So Mark, what what is our topic? Whatever could it be? <laughs> What could it be, indeed, Josh? Well, what it's about, you actually 
started this episode talking about it, didn't even know it. The temperature is dropping. Yep. And yeah, so are the leaves turning, and it's getting all cold, and your nose turns red in the morning, and you can see your breath in the air. But you know what you also see a little bit more of, Josh? Hmm. Home invaders. Yeah. Especially the uh, multi-legged persuasion. And tonight we're going to trick and treat around these, because as I lay down this episode, we're going to find out that the more frightening these home invaders are, the less dangerous they actually are. Okay, all right. And, and I can tell you that this wouldn't be a, you know, current day Halloween if you and I weren't going to get just a little bit woke too. <laughs> True, right, yeah. Uh, that, that's just that's just part and parcel these days, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, first question here, Josh, how do you feel about spiders? I, I am all right with spiders. Um, uh, interestingly enough, when I was younger and still living in California... I don't know if this was like a like a daycare thing or like what it was, uh, but Jake got really into spiders, and so like he oh, really that was like one of his early because like all little kids get fixated on something if it's dinosaurs if it's uh, rocket ships whatever, um, and so so yeah from like from a pretty early age whatever Jake learned in that day's class he would come home and like show me his homework and say like no like spiders are typically good. You know, there's there's definitely some ones that you got to look out for. Like if you see a black one that has this red hourglass, stay away. But but no, yeah, from a pretty early age, I was like, yeah, spiders are important because they, just like you mentioned, they uh, get all the like nastier bugs uh, so that they don't bother us. Yeah, that's that's true. And I generally was brought up the same way. My grandmother always said it was bad luck to kill them. Mm-hmm. But there was one that represented constant menace and terror. And you just called it out, Josh. Yeah. We're going to talk about the Black Widow Spider really quick. Black Widow Spider. Yeah. Which, because I think I've seen some in real life. I think. Yeah. Um, so I was staying at one of my, yeah, my family, uh, met up with some, with some, some extended family, like an aunt and uncle, cousins, I want to say. And yeah, they're in, they're in like a hot, dry climate and just had, we just like told all of us, because we were like, you know, grade school at the time. They said like, hey, just... Before you go outside to play, just like double check your shoes. You know, don't don't reach in there, but like bang them by the door, um, just in case, mm-hmm. just in case the anything got in there. Um, and I think one time we like saw one in their garage. It was just kind of pieced out doing its thing. But um, yeah, black widow, black widows. Yeah, um, black widows are weird. Probably the first thing you're ever taught to identify as bad or scary as a kid, mm-hmm. or at least for you and me. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, I was brought up to have a healthy fear out of them, and they're iconic. You know, they're they're the big bulbous black body with the bright red hourglass on the stomach. Um, they're found throughout the United States, Josh, and they usually are found in basements or outbuildings, like sheds or garages, or in deep, dark, dank assholes, like in outhouses. <laughs> oh God, yeah. <laughs> and I remember when I was a kid, like we were afraid of black widow spiders. Like I'd watch, you know segments on the news talking about the you know the the deadly black widow is in your shed and it's going to kill you and your kids you know they were they were nothing more than a menace but josh they've been around for forever and we've been afraid from afraid of them forever yeah i mean i and and i also can't help but but feel that it's precisely because of their coloring that there's just yeah something super menacing about black and black and red in that kind of hour because oh man what was it there was some other like either urban legend or something like that 
Um, or like just like kids like bullshitting each other uh, on on the playground at recess. Like, and the hourglass represents uh, how much time you have left until you die. <laughs> it's like whoa. Which I guess yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, so that would that also kind of freaked me out hearing that from the big scary fourth graders. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, I should have had you do this earlier. There's an untitled document on the drive. If you would oh, be yeah. so good as to pull it up. Okay, uh, so yes, this is uh, apparently from uh, Popular Mechanics magazine, uh, all the way back in January 1936. Shoot, that's yep. 90 years ago almost. Uh, quote. Drop for drop, the venom of the Latrodectus mancatus is far deadlier than that of the diamondback rattlesnake. 300 years ago, Indians along the Pacific coast poisoned their arrows with a paste made from the bodies of black widow spiders. These arrows could kill a deer in five minutes. Fatalities from the bite have been reported in 17 states. 1936, Popular Mechanics magazine. I... This was an article that was published. Um, yeah. It's great. But it goes on, and it scares us a little bit more here. It details a man who was bit on his armpit and spent two the next two months in the hospital trying to recover. Oh, man. Yeah. That's... Well, and I've um, I've long been on record. I, I'm a pussycat. I don't like scary movies. I don't like slasher stuff. I, I don't really look for gore. Um I don't know if this was like in a hunter safety class or something like that, but like like seeing pictures of like a dude's arm that got like bit by a black widow spider, and yeah, it just just messes you up. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not a good time. No, um, no, no, no. I actually did find real sources of like I would call them better sources of horror than just you know silly science magazines um, from a Navy newsletter in 1944. And then a study that backed it up, that, or so a study that ran from 1950 to 1959, reported that 63 people had died from black widow spider bites. Now, this survey found that a bulk of the victims were not only men, but guess where the bite was located, Josh? Oh, I'm scared to say this. Was it on their special man parts? <laughs> oh, yes, it oh, was in their special no! man parts. Oh, no. God, dudes. <laughs> dudes. Now, why would they do this? Why? Because they're cold-blooded bitches, Josh. No, not really. Black Widow spiders like to hang out anywhere dank and dark and quiet, away from the sunlight. Yeah. They make a little web and they chill out there. What's really dank and dark? Latrines. And this came out of a naval newsletter. These yeah. reports of men being bit on the penises. So they go take a shit. Poor little spiders hanging out there. My God, what is this, you know, colossi before me? I'm going to attack it. Yeah. You bite right where you can get it. Oh, boy. Yeah, no, that. Yeah, I'm sure glad that we have indoor plumbing and <laughs> don't have to go out to latrines and risk, yeah, getting bit on the dick by a black widow spider. <laughs> I, yeah. Um. So, like, we can also assume that some of these numbers are a little bit inflated, mm -hmm. but there's still, like, the element of truth. But, 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 there's also this weird, like, cloud of misogyny around Black Widow spiders in particular. Mm. Why are these guys bad dates? Well, is 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 this where they, uh, where the females uh, will, like, kill and eat the male after mating? Isn't that the thing? That is 100% correct, buddy. Okay. Now, yeah. yeah. 
This is something called sexual cannibalism, and it is only displayed by the females of Black Widow spiders, and it's also only the females that are actually venomous. But it's weird because a ton of other insects, mostly spiders, they all practice sexual cannibalism, and praying mantises, and ladybird beetles. Mm -hmm. But Black Widows are, you know, they're famous for it. There's a type of serial killer devoted to women that kill. They call them a Black Widow. That's true. That's true. That's also uh, Scarlett Johansson. In the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe, because she's because she's sexy and deadly, and she has red hair and wears black leather, <laughs> <laughs> and she prefers dark places. And she prefers dark. Highly she's skittish. Yeah, she's always hanging out in navy latrines, uh, preying on poor, <laughs> poor, poor soldiers. By <laughs> what better place to get intel? Yeah, I mean, truly, yeah, right. You know. <laughs> Two guys roll up to hang a piss, and, oh, where are you going this weekend? Oh, I'm going over here. What about you? Oh, I'm going over yeah. here. And she's just hanging from the ceiling. All right. Good. Drops down, bites him on the dick, and then runs off. That's <laughs> <laughs> Scarlett Johansson. That's our, that's our Scarlett Johansson. All right. America's sweetheart. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I totally didn't derail us there, but <laughs> it's all right. It's all right because um, you know, once she bites those men on their dicks, assuming that she's a spider and not a human, mm-hmm. her neurotoxin is going to attack the central nervous system, and it's going to block your nerve terminals, Josh. Now, if you are something small like a bug, this will straight up murder your ass because you're completely paralyzed in a matter of seconds. Mm-hmm. But if you're a you, you're a human. It's going to be different. According to um, the National Health Institute, within minutes of being bitten, the area adjacent to the wound site becomes painful, turns red, and will swell up. Fang marks may be evident, and you will likely start sweating profusely. Uh, Neuromuscular symptoms, including severe muscle pain and cramping, usually occur within the hour. As the venom passes through your body, increased automatic function leading to tachycardia, rapid heartbeat, mm-hmm. uh, tachyapnea, rapid breathing, and hypertension, that's dangerously high blood pressure, are also associated around the area and increased pain. Yeah, that sounds about right. Mm-hmm. Specific to black widows is something called lactrodectism, and it refers to the manifestation of a wid- or, or in the area around a widow bite. And these symptoms include diffuse muscle rigidity, cramping and tenderness, and burning around the bite, as well as abdominal tenderness, nausea, and vomiting. Yeah, that's... Um, this pain works its way throughout the entire body and will last as long as the venom is active in the system. So if you get bit in the leg, it's going to hurt in your chest and in your arms and your back. It isn't, it's not fun. Yeah, I, yeah, I have, yeah, heard nothing but just horrible things. (laughs) But while it's horrible, it's not going to kill you. According to Poison Control, there hasn't been a Black Widow death since 1983. Oh, okay. I mean, that's... Yeah, yeah. just... <laughs> what is that, 40 years? Yeah, 40 years, yeah. I mean, good job. Yeah. Good job us. Like, and I'm sure that's some awareness. I'm sure that's like, hey, you know, check those boots before you go outside. Check those gloves you keep in the garden shed. Um, check that latrine, or just don't use a latrine. <laughs> <laughs> always flush. Just always. Yeah, just, just, just always flush. Because yeah. <laughs> bugs like outhouses, guys, and it's not fun for anybody. Um, what we do know about them nowadays is that they're generally shy and they're not really aggressive and they'll only attack when they're actually put into a dangerous position. Like, you know, you just try to teabag them. Yeah. <laughs> By and large, you know, it's, 
just sci-fi propaganda bullshit. But, but, but if you want to be afraid of a spider coming into your home, well, Josh, don't worry, because there's the Brazilian wandering spider, which can be as big as a dinner plate. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, okay, so you, you opened up asking how I felt about spiders generally. And, yes, at a conceptual level, I know that they do a lot of good. When when I see spiders just around my house or outside, like that, that's also a thing too. Like I think because the weather's cooling and they're trying to get any last little bit of food, there's like a ton of spider webs all over the place. Like just like taking the trash cans out outside, they'll be covered in spider webs. Um, I I get my handy spider stick that I keep outside for that purpose to kind of like knock down all the spider webs. Um, take the trash out front to be collected. And then when I bring it back the next day, there's a brand new whole set of spider webs. So yeah, they are doing work, uh, and, mm-hmm. and and I can appreciate that. I understand that. I, I leave them alone. That said, if someone dropped a big tarantula on my lap, I would probably freak the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> just being real. Just being real. Yeah, much less um, uh, the the Brazilian wandering spider. That's the size of a dinner plate. <laughs> <laughs> now Josh they're called the wandering spider because they're nocturnal or because they're nocturnal and you see them running around the forest floor at night looking for prey. Oh man, yep. Mhm. Uh during the day they hide they try and hide from the sun in termite mounds or under rocks or logs or maybe inside your shoe. <sighs> yeah. Mhm. Mhm. <laughs> They can be found throughout Costa Rica, Colombia, Venezuela, Ecuador, Peru, and Brazil. And you know what else comes out of those countries like a major, major export? And no, I'm not talking about cocaine. Uh, bananas, right? That's right, buddy. That's right. You got it. Uh, Brazilian wandering spiders are known to find their way into shipping boxes of bananas. And then get transported worldwide. Now, when I was a produce wizard, I never had that happen. But my boss said it happened multiple times. And my grandparents, who both worked in grocery stores during the 50s and 60s, said the same thing. Okay, yeah. Well, that's also the um, uh, Is It Tally Me Banana song by... uh, uh, Henry Belafonte? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, like he's talking about stacking bananas. And inside can be the deadly tarantula. Uh, Daylight... Daylight come and we want to go home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, this also happened recently, as recently as we can tell, at least in 2014, when a bunch of bananas from DoorDash was delivered to a home in South London. Oh, man. That's... Uh, that brings up a whole other... Uh, I, I didn't even think about that. Like, yeah, yeah. What, with, the, with the popularity of food of, of yeah, like grocery delivery stuff like oh god you open up your box and a big tarantula jumps at you <laughs> <laughs> oh god um so big spiders throwing away in your fruit is scary sure but brazilian wandering spiders also have a unique side effect to their venom which of course they can deliver to humans given their monstrous fangs which can totally penetrate human skin mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And apparently the bite on its own hurts, but it also is accompanied by respiratory failure, uh, paralysis of the lungs. People will die from buildup of fluid around the lungs from a bite. Gotcha. And it also causes a case of a monster erection in men, <laughs> which will be either the last erection you get because you die 
or the last direction you get because it lasts upwards of a day and you can never get hard again. Oh my which god. at that point you might as well be dead. Yeah, you might as well. Oh god. Man, what is it with spiders and just messing with just like messing with <laughs> What do they have against male genitalia? Like I don't understand. <laughs> Black widows are biting on the dick. A Brazilian wandering spider will make your dick so hard it falls off. Like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. And you'll die. And or you'll you won't die. die, but you never get a boner again. Yeah. Like, Oh, my God. Oh. Ugh. <laughs> um, just this last August, like this last August, a couple weeks ago, an Austrian supermarket was shut down for a couple of days when a wandering spider was spotted inside. Oh, boy. Oh, man. They reopened after they found it and killed it. But that was, like, weeks ago. Yeah. So they can get to Austria, just in banana boxes. Wow. I, yeah. Which, man, isn't that the, maybe that also should have been something we brought up in our farming episode. Like, not only, like, growing locally and eating locally, um, yeah, the chance of you having a Brazilian wandering spider uh, rapidly decrease. If you're not, if you're not in this like global food uh, paradigm that we are, Woo. <laughs> it's, it's gross. Um, it's bad. It's fucking spooky. Um, before we move on to our next home invader, and I'm gonna ask you what you think it is, like as you don't know, I'll give you a hint, Josh. Okay. How do you feel about Nicolas Cage? <laughs> and knowing that, what do you reckon our next topic is, buddy? Well, uh, to answer your first question, uh, longtime fan, we have documented some of his work with our cinema series, The Color Out of Space. I mm-hmm. I was talking about seeing him in Renfield. Yeah, you were positive with that. And yeah, yeah, that was all right. He's yeah, he's doing his Nick Cageist. Uh, but I also can't help but think that what we're going to talk about next is bees. <laughs> oh no, not the bees! Oh, no, That's not right. The bees. <laughs> <laughs> at this point based off of last week's episode it's hack to tell you that humans learned how to keep bees since around 4500 bce but just in case they missed it go back and listen to it yep. it was a hell of an episode it was it was a lot of fun but and since then we've generally had a good relationship with the fuzzy little bug whose sweet sweet vomit goes great on toast teas and is a great little energy boost before any type of physical contest mm-hmm. Well, uh, yeah, well, yeah. Uh, also, long established uh, via Oxymel, this early Gatorade mm-hmm. that's like part vinegar and part honey. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what happens when we try to alter the agreement with the bees, and man gets greedy and asks for more? Well, buddy, that sweet, sweet honey puke turns into a bitter revenge. Yeah. Bum bum bum. <laughs> In 1957, a Brazilian scientist named Warwick Kerr crossed the European honeybee with bees he found in South Africa in an attempt to breed a harder-working bee. What he got was actual science fiction horror run amok. A new Franken-bee species was created, which then escaped its enclosure in southern Sao Paulo when another beekeeper who was visiting released 26 swarms of Tanganyikian bees, which then promptly said, hey, where are the white bees at, and began breeding with local swarms of European honeybees in the area. Say, Josh, there's 29 species of honeybee, and they can all mate with Africanized bee. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, that could never go <laughs> hey, they wrong. They just don't give a fuck, buddy. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. 
<laughs> this new strain of murder bee began moving steadily north up into the Amazon basin in the early 70s and into America by 1982 and Mexico as early as 1985. You would think we'd eventually learn this lesson about... Hey, um, we're domesticating animals that, yeah, we're selecting for cows that produce the most milk or for draft animals that are bigger and stronger and can pull more. Um, but when But when will it end? Not even with murder bees, because we're still fucking around with it. <laughs> still doing that. We still haven't learned our lesson. Oh, God. <laughs> Yeah, these swarms made up were you know markedly different from the native swarms that were already in all these areas. Um, they tended to swarm more frequently, and they will go further out chasing something than regular honeybees, up to a mile away from the original hive. Yeah, that's um, rather than going dormant when it gets cold out, like you know, good god fearing bees. These just keep going, but they just go find a new supply of food. So the swarm was ever pushing northward. Oh God. Ugh. <laughs> just changed with the seasons. Um, uh, these bees are more likely to abscond the entire colony, which means that if they get pissed off enough, they will just pack up and leave. <laughs> or let's say, hey, I chased this dude for two miles. Fuck it, I'm not going home. We're setting up a new colony here, and yeah. they just do it. <laughs> they are much more defensive and they are a lot angrier when a resting swarm than a resting swarm compared to other honeybees which duh they're the killer bees right, right. um they also tend to live inside a ground or like inside cavities in the ground as opposed to honeybees which make the hive mm-hmm. you know in trees or up high right right but don't worry that's not to say they don't also make their nests in outbuildings where they will kill a shitload of people who disturb the nests yeah i um yeah, they have a higher concentration of guard-designated bees, and these guard-designated bees deploy in greater force and pursue victims, you know, until they're dead. They also don't stop. Like, there's lots of accounts of honeybees, or, you know, people being stung to death, and they find their throats lined with these Africanized bees. Yeah, it's, man. I, it's gross. It's super gross. It's super gross. I... Granted, it, it has been a couple years now, uh, but during our bugs episode, um, like I forget the I- exact numbers, but like yeah, just the just the biomass that all of insects combined have compared to like humans, like we're we're outnumbered at like such a ridiculous rate that uh, yeah, to have like bees sting you, like just get so frenzied uh, that they keep stinging you that they crawl inside your esophagus and. Just, yeah, just, like you said, can't stop, won't stop, don't even know how to stop. Ugh. Yeah, they they really don't. Um, Between their initial release in the 1950s up till 2010, better than uh, 1,000 humans and countless animals animals have been killed by these bees. Oh, man. Yeah, I just... (laughs) Yeah. Son of a bitch, man. Son of a bitch! Yeah, and once again... Why are they so dangerous? Well, it's because they're assholes, Josh. That's really the long and short of it. Um, While regular honeybees will sting you as a deterrent, it's only a handful that do it. They're not going out for blood because when a bee stings, it dies. Mm -hmm. And on some level, bees are kind of, you know, aware of this. However, killer bees give no fucks. Um, They also have a higher population density in hives, which can get up to 30,000 bees 
in a single hive. And when these killer bees sting, they release a marker pheromone that tags where its stinger got pulled out and acts as, you know, a, hey, get over here to all the other bees. Again, these number in the thousands, and in many cases, victims will be found covered in thousands of individual bee stings. Their, po- their venom is also slightly more potent than European honeybees. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an avalanche. It's a bee avalanche. It's a, it's a, it's a beavalanche. It's a beavalanche. It's, it's, it's a rolling snow bee ball. Uh, that, yeah, just like you said, like like little pheromone goes out. That like, hey, I stung here. I'm dying. Avenge me, my, my brothers or sisters or whatever it is. Uh, and yeah, and that just compounds and compounds. Oh God, that's uh, that's horrible. <laughs> That's horrible. <laughs> Let's talk about the sting, buddy. Okay. Uh, bee venom is kind of super cool because of how well it works in a really fucked up way. <laughs> Number one, the toxin attacks cells, killing them, but it also enlarges the cell, which then acts like a big old sponge to go dump more venom across throughout the body more efficiently. It also contains a unique amino acid called apamin, which is a neurotoxin that, se- that works to sever systemic reactions Across the body, but it's really good at attacking the throat in most living things. We don't know why, it just does, and it will literally choke the shit out of you. Um, Meanwhile, as this occurs, your heart rate starts disrupting. Compound that with about the 6% of the world population that's allergic to bee stings, and you're gonna get fucked up anyway, but the Africanized bees are gonna fuck you up even more. And now that we have that context, you can appreciate these terrible cases that I found. Future Mark, keep up the Wee Fit music. Oh boy, here we are. All right, let's do it. <laughs> Take a gulp of Mickey's. I'm like halfway through and I'm doing all right. I'm not going to lie. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 1975 in French Guyana, 10 people were attacked and killed almost at once. Each body had between 75 and 650 stingers in it. Oh, God. So, you know, just to dabble, do you? But just in case, there's no kill like the overkill. Right, right. Speaking of overkill, and on October 11th, 1977, Pedro Gomez Brazil, Onario, and Octavio Frisco de Alameda were found dead by the Rio Takari. Each of them were stung more than 1,000 times. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Brazil, a swarm invaded the... Uh, uh, Notori Jail. That swarm killed countless prisoners who claimed that the mistreatment it was a mistreatment brought on by the guards to thin out prison numbers. Oh, they just God. killed a, a swarm moved into the prison and killed it. And that's the sci-fi channel movie I want to see is bees versus in, inmates. <laughs> like, yeah, that would be okay. So there's a there's a there's an entomologist who was wrongly convicted of. I don't know, like killing his colleague or something like that, and he's and he's sent to this this uh, yeah prison, and he's like working out a deal with the warden, like hey, you know, I'll just you know be part of the like prison garden system here, um, where we should we can we can in, install some some uh, 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 beehives here to help with pollination, and the warden's like ah, it costs too much money. We'll just we'll just import these bees from. <laughs> I don't care much for this fancy side talk. You're just you're just here to serve your time. Uh, yeah, and then right, and then the guards are mistreating them, and they get the bees all riled up, and then yeah, they just all. But 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 the entomologist <laughs> is able to like, no, if we uh, bring in this uh, species of of 
uh, uh, aphids that'll that'll attack the killer bees. <laughs> <laughs> this summer, see what all the buzz is about <laughs> when Liam Neeson is the beekeeper. The beekeeper. Warden, I'm telling you, <laughs> this isn't going to work. These bees aren't right for this climate. <laughs> I don't care what sort of King's College, what sort of Trinity College Dublin University you're coming from, sir. But here at my prison... Why is he Southern? They're in Brazil. I don't know. Because all this, like, corrupt... Because all the corrupt prison wardens are have speak with Southern accents. Because they're all Southern. Okay, I'll take it. I'll... I was born here and I was raised here in Rio de Janeiro. Well, there's that um that splinter cell of um the Confederacy, the Confederados. Yeah, true. I think they moved into like Ecuador or something. It could be there. You go. Okay, yeah. The corrupt Southern Ecuadorian sheriff <laughs> trying to like start like a honey plantation and a coffee plantation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. what pollinates coffee beans? God damn it, the bees mm, do. And there it is. Yeah. Enter Liam Neeson. There he is. He's. <laughs> <laughs> San Paulo O'Malley, because you know his mama was Brazilian and his daddy was Irish as yeah. all hell. I don't. <laughs> oh God, that's too good. <laughs> there might be two cases of the first person killed in America. It was either in 1992 or in 1993. Either way, both reports uh, detail of um, an elderly farmer between the ages of 65 and 82, just depending on the story. Um, who was mowing his back 40 and ran over a nest. And he was stung more than 500 times. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, again. Yeah. Yeah, that's 1993. We don't have anything to worry about, right, Josh? Right? Well, uh-huh. in 2013 um, of June, one Larry Goodwin, 62, mowed over a nest in Moody, Texas and was stung 3,000 times. He also died. Okay, so average human... Let's just, like, kind of round up. It says 200 pounds, right? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, that's like... That's like two or three stings per pound. That's that's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Or, it will end upwards of... Yeah, then you get into the thousands, and that's like five. Oh, God. Ugh. <laughs> um... Um, that same year in 2013, in Douglas, Arizona, 800,000 bees attacked a neighborhood block. One person was killed and four others were badly injured. <sighs> Speaking of your terrible math, Josh, in 2013, a Tucson climber named, named Steve Johnson was found hanging by his harness about 70 feet off the ground in the Santa Catalina Mountains. His dog was also found near him dead. Um, both the man and the canine had been stung countless times. Jason died from something called mass envenom- envenomation, which is the buildup from each little sting. Experts estimate that there are about 10 stings per pound of body weight, or 1,700 stings for the 170-pound rock climber. Oh, my God. And he did that hanging. That's so awful. <laughs> it's just so awful. Oh, my God. It is... Super bad. Don't worry. This next one is worse. Ugh. Last May, that's this May in 2023. Oh boy. A group of six people died in Nicaragua when their bus drove off a high road, crashing 165 feet into a ravine on a coffee plantation. 
Hey, guess what was in that ravine, Josh? Oh, no. It wasn't coffee. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It was the bees. 14 other passengers had to be hospitalized. So, so on top of everything else, now they're caffeinated killer bees. <laughs> Even yeah. faster and yeah. more amped up and more deadly. <laughs> they're more agitated. Yeah, more agitated. Oh, my God. Uh, but they like jazz more. Yeah, but like it's weird. Jazz. <laughs> Uh, finally, last September, that's 22, in Florida, uh, one Austin Bellamy, age 20, was stung 20,000 times when he accidentally disturbed a hive up in a lemon tree. He was up in the tree picking lemons, pissed off the hive. But Josh, uh, Austin Bellamy is the Harry Potter of the bee world. He uh, lived. Oh, no way. Well, he was he was probably... 20,000 times. You can look this kid up. Yeah, he is fucked up, but he is alive and well. Well, and he must have, like, yeah, spoken, because, uh, because, what's the snake language? Like, something tongue? Oh, parcel tongue? Parcel tongue. He, yeah, he must have been able to speak, um, what would this be? Like, uh, daffodil tongue. <laughs> to say, like, okay, like, you guys. Melithulously, I don't, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> or just, like, yeah, just. Add a z sound to the end of everything. Uh. <laughs> I just imagine, you know, the Futurama where they go get the royal space jelly bees and yeah. or from the space bees and Bender's shaking his <laughs> yeah. butt and, I'm sick of dancing for these stupid jerks. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's safe to say that the reputation of, killer of these bees is earned. They're killer bees, Josh. They're literally killers of man and beast. But baby, let me tell you, they're not just on track to win a domination victory. They're also doubling down with, you know, padding their bets for a culture. Oh, okay. All right. Like it or not, their popularity was hyped in the 1970s thanks to the Jaws treatment. When a guy named Arthur Herzog wrote a book in 1974 called The Swarm. This was then made into a movie starring Michael Caine and Harry Fonda called Killer Bees in 1978. It is not good at all. <laughs> But it is so dumb, and it is free on YouTube. And listeners, I encourage you to go check it out because I had to watch it. So, goddammit, so should you. <laughs> yeah, well, um, and, and and set up your own drinking game. Uh, take take a take a shot of mead every time somebody somebody says bee or or stinger or something. I don't know. Come up with some rules. <laughs> <laughs> it's a scary movie. I remember watching it when I was a kid, and I remember it, like, scaring me then, and it was so stupid. In 1974, uh, there was a reoccurring SNL sketch called The Killer Bees, which was literally dudes going, Oh, God, the bees are coming! That was about it. Um, they appeared on multiple talk show segments and multiple episodes of television, especially during Fox specials in the 1990s. I know. Even if you don't remember, you have seen one of these specials on Fox. I, yeah, I... There, there, there aren't any that are directly come coming to mind, but yeah, there, there absolutely have to be right. I, I had to have seen yeah. these before. Yeah. Um, and finally, most famously, in 1998, the Wu Tang Clan put out a compilation album called "The Swarm." Matter of fact, anybody associated with the with the Wu Tang Clan has been affectionately called the Killer Bees. Hmm. Meanwhile, Josh, there's a bizarre twist here. Republican ads started using a killer bee metaphor for an invasion of America. This was coming up from the South, and literally, these Africanized bees, at this point, they were calling them killer bees, not Africanized. It switches to Africanized later. Oh, but I these see. killer bees were literally coming up here to take our American bees' job. 
Um, to be fair, the you know resulting loss in the honey industry is in the hundreds of millions across these you know last sixty years of their introduction. Mm-hmm. But furthering the weirdness, so you know the Willie Horton furlough murders in the 1988 elections? Oh, yeah. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. The guy that was let out on a prison furlough and then he went and killed a guy? Well, somehow, um, not missing a beat, uh, the Republican Party, trying to get George Bush elected as president, they started running ads calling or likening these, um, likening killer bees to actually an influx of the scary black people that live in your neighborhood because they're Africanized. I mean, I shouldn't be surprised, but also at the same time, God damn it. Like, just God damn it. You can find old Republican attack ads on YouTube, and they they literally talk about being swarmed. They talk about, like, the crack epidemic and the gang wars in uh, California as uh, swarming. And these are, you know, angry predators of people coming up here to kill us. That's literally what they were talking in 1988. It is... It is fascinating, Josh. Just, just very, just very subtle there. Very, uh, <laughs> yeah. Very it, and again, this is also when the shift was made from killer to Africanized. So it was like, no, no, they're not just the scary Mexicans jumping the border. Yeah, they're also black people. It's a, ama- it's, it's fucking amazing, dude. In the way that like black widows are crazy misogynistic. It's, I mean, it's, it blows my damn mind. I told you we we're going to get no, woke yeah, tonight, no, buddy. We are. You didn't know the killer bees were going to fucking sting you and your eyes were going to be opened. <laughs> and then you're going to die of a fucking social justice boner. <laughs> well, yeah, your eyes will be opened and then they will swell shut because of all the venom that's <laughs> pumped through your body. Oh, God. Now, there is a silver lining in this bee-filled cloud. Okay. Um, there. So some of this propaganda... It was used to push the idea that the only thing that could stop a killer bee swarm would be super, super cold temperatures. Mm. So killer bees also became used as like a warning against global warming. The warmer it got, the more at risk we were of, you know, being invaded by these bees. Mm -hmm. Hey, guess what didn't happen because we didn't listen to global warming? Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. But I've also heard that too, right? That like, oh, as as the globe is warming, and uh, yeah, the regions where they typically live are getting too hot, or whatever, or 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 they just naturally expand into yeah, these. Oh man, just (sighs) we didn't listen. We didn't. Um, We also found out that it doesn't work. According to, so I watched the, of course I had to watch the 2003 monster quest of this. Um, a bee biologist trying to prove that the cold theory was bullshit stuck killer bees in a uh, in a refrigerated room that got down to like uh, 23 degrees Fahrenheit. And she found that these bees, as soon as it got cold enough, they would surround the queen and start vibrating and heat up the nest. The nest was a balmy 70 degrees. Oh, wow. So... Even if we had listened to Al Gore, it would not have mattered. These bees just live. Right, right. Yeah. And there's really nothing that can be done about these. A European queen can be reintroduced to local hives, and it looks like the aggressiveness can kind of be bred out a little bit. But this is also bullshit because there's still Africanized beehives throughout Brazil, and they're still just as pissy despite, you know, 50 however many years of being crossbred with Europeans. Yeah. All you can really do when you encounter them, other than, you know, leaving them alone, leave the goddamn bees alone, kids, yeah. um, is burn them out. But this still represents a hazard as 
they're they they can still attack you through a bee suit. There's nothing you can do. They're just gonna come for you, buddy. Yeah, I. Not the bees. <laughs> no, not the bees. Uh... <laughs> well, I guess I. Oh, okay. This is also maybe a bit of a like tangent or something because because Mark, you, you've been talking sure. about you know these 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 swarms. I'm not talking about demographics of people. I'm I'm literally talking about bees here. Um, <laughs> that yeah would number uh, in yeah the thousands of uh, of bee stings. What has been your worst encounter with bees growing up? Because I I think that's also part of it too. Like you were saying, like as a kid growing up in the '90s. Um, we, we, we do. We, we had that sort of like shared generational thing where like black widows are the deadliest spiders, even though now they really aren't. But it seemed like like every for, for me, it was like a it was like a mark of like, OK, it's summer vacation because I finally got like my first bee sting. Um, but like <laughs> what is the most stings that you have ever had in one instance? Like what was, was it just one summer where they just came after you with a vengeance or like were you pretty did you? Did, did you dodge a lot of those bullets? <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I got stung a couple times when I was a kid, but it was only ever once. I remember mashing one through a screen door because, uh, I, you know, yeah. that's how you killed flies is they get stuck between the screen and the yeah. glass uh-huh. and you smish them. And I got stung there. And then not really a lot in my adulthood. Um, and then one year, I don't know if you remember, I think I talked about it on the show before, I worked a honey harvest and I only got stung once in three nights of work. And it was real benign, like, mm-hmm. she got stuck beneath my the collar of my shirt. That was my bad for her in a collared shirt. Mm. I got stuck in between it. She stung me, and I called the guy over. It's like, I got stung. You took a pair of tweezers and pulled it out, and that was yeah. that. was that. Like, it was nothing okay. to it at all. So, so I was sticky. It was super gross, yeah. but that's about <laughs> it. So maybe you also can speak uh, daffodil tongue or whatever, whatever bee language uh, <laughs> we came up with a minute ago. Yeah, I so like I mentioned, it would be like... Uh, yeah, like at least once a summer from like, I don't know, second grade to sixth grade, something like that. I would, I would reliably get stung. Uh, but the very worst was, uh, met up with, um, yeah, some, some, uh, cousins and aunt and uncle and we all went camping. Um, and this was up by Soap Creek again, probably like fourth grade, something like that. Uh, and so Jake and, uh, our cousin who's between us in ages, uh, and then I, we, went out to go on this hike uh, around the area and we were going up this kind of hill and then I'll like switch perspectives here. Uh, then I think like my dad at, at our little like campsite was, you know, getting the grill fired up to make hot dogs for lunch or whatever. And then he hears this commotion mm-hmm. and he looks over and he sees like the three of us like somersaulting cartwheeling down this hill. Oh Jesus. Uh, Cause yeah, it was the same thing. Like I, and I, and I think it was Jake as we're tromping around, um, yeah, stepped into like a ground hive and just this cloud of bees popped up. And I think, Ugh. I think he got stung. Like it was something crazy. He, he, he got stung like 13 times, something like that. He counted. Jesus. Um, he got stung, stung a bunch. I think our cousin Brandon got maybe two stings and I had like eight. Uh, and so then, yeah, that oh was, God. a. so th- that has been my worst encounter with bees um and yeah like put a damper on the rest of the camping trip but nah. 
Um, but then, yeah, also, I don't think I've been stung by a bee in, I don't know, 30 years, something like that. It's just, it's always, yeah. it, it, and it's been a minute. Yeah. Well, and, and I think part of it too is, I mean, I suppose I just know better anyway, but then also like there are people who rightly freak out because maybe they are allergic or something like that. And that could be literally a case of life and death for, for them. But also it is just that kind of idea of like, not nah, just if, if you're chill with them, they'll be chill with you. If you start kind of freaking out, like, ah, geez, it's a bee. Oh my God. Um, then they just, yeah. then, then they'll, I, I think they pick up on that and they're like, oh shit, is it go time? Are you telling me it's go time? Charge. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, it's been, it was, yeah, it, it is scary. Like you look up and, or when I was doing it, I'd look up and there'd be, you know, thousands of bees right above your head. Oh yeah. But they were just, they were just flying. They weren't doing anything. Right. They weren't like, and all you're doing is taking honey, come out and putting it into a centrifuge mm-hmm. and they're just, they're cool with it in their own way. Like, right. But it's what you're saying is you you got to just be cool. Yeah, just be cool. Be like, hey, B, I'm I'm cool if you're cool, and then just go on your go on and do your own things. Well, and also it, it you know uh, maybe maybe this is also something you plan on getting to later. I, I I'm also especially uh, mindful of bees now because we're also just like killing them. Like bee population is crazy down. Um, mm-hmm. uh, they're one of our like key pollinators. And so that that's disrupting a lot of our kind of food production cycle. So yeah, every little bee helps. Uh, and yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. Yeah. There is an upside of this a little bit in that, like it's making us have to change the way that we handle bees mm-hmm. because, you know, especially in, you know, South, you know, South, um, but I don't say South, well, South America. Yeah. But like Southern United States and into Mexico, like a lot of these hives, like they're just, you can't, you can't fuck with them now. So, right. well, how do you, it, it, you have to, you know, practice different mitigation techniques and like, well, I guess I can't, you know, super take all this honey. I guess I gotta be super cool all the time. Yeah. Damn it. All right. <laughs> Reach an accord with the bees. Right. <laughs> yeah. The famous bee accords. Well, or, and, and also too, right? Like, Brokered by Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Maybe that's also the big paradigm shift is the B movie. <laughs> What's it about? You're flying around. Somebody hit your house. You got to go sting him. I'm going to go sting him. <laughs> you like jazz? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, man. Bees. Oh, man. Oh, well, I, I, I guess now that will make me or that will allow me to to enjoy this. Um, yeah. Yeah. This next can of uh, Chomo Lungma uh, brewed with Ohio wildflower honey even more and even more appreciative. Um <laughs> So, so you are you sticking with the uh, uh, Mickey's there? You know, I know I should, but I wanted something good too, damn it. So, you know, we were in Salida yeah. this last weekend and we did a beer run because mm-hmm. they, you know, have a supply chain and the clientele to support that supply chain. So at a yep. Crooked Stave Brewing in Colorado, I got a Pumpkin Power Pumpkin Ale. It's a oh, 7% nice. alcohol by volume. It's got a super cute little pumpkin skateboarding around what looked to be sunflowers, which I bet were pollinated by 
angry, angry bees. But quite frankly, I've been a yep. good boy and I deserve a treat. God damn it. Hell yeah. Dude. Well, yeah, and also, I, I, I know that was also a bit of a... Um, Bit of a gut punch that here we were in Ohio last week drinking all the yummy pumpkin beer. And you're just like, oh, man. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> so I told I'm, Amanda. I'm like, as soon as we cut, I was like, we are going to. I don't care. We can go to Pagosa. We can go to Salida. We can go to Albuquerque. We're going somewhere with a liquor store. And I am filling up on pumpkin beer. So I got like three different types. So I am a happy boy. Well, and yeah. And, and, and I'll, it, when we went to that same uh, uh, Saver Growl store, um, there was an entire like mini aisle of like just just pumpkin beer. So it's like, oh. hell yeah, dude! <laughs> God damn. Yeah, it is, man. It's a it's a thing. It's a real thing. Yeah, I well, and you know, you guys got me all horned up last week talking about it. And I was like, we're gonna do this, and then and then you find out apparently Trader Joe's is just awesome for pumpkin beer. So I think next weekend oh, we're going to make a Pueblo okay. run and try and hit the Trader Joe's we'll up there and that. see what happens. Okay. Shoot. Well, maybe, yeah, maybe we'll have to look into that or something. I'm sure there's one around here somewhere, maybe. <laughs> In your probably. big old metropolitan-ass city, you big lucky metropolitan. duck with well, pumpkin ales. Yeah. Well, I, I also kind of missed um, all the Oktoberfest this year. Like, I didn't really get a whole lot of oh, yeah. and stuff. I had one out of Ska. It was pretty just, good. Okay. Yeah, I I had oh, what was it? I like I've had a couple, but usually it is. It's like just walk out uh with like an armful, but uh I don't know, it kind of just passed me. It's kind of passed me by this year for some 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 reason. I don't know. It's all IPAs, Josh. Anyway. It's all I, these yeah, IPAs, all IPAs are mating with our indigenous pumpkin yeah, ale hives exactly. and they're <laughs> nothing here. They uh, they attack you with with ten times the hops. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, this pumpkin power is goddamn delicious. I am. Good. I am so happy. Good. All right. You you earned this. You earned this. Buddy. I think I did. <laughs> <laughs> um. So here we are, Josh. Bees are spooky. Yes. Spiders are scary. Bees are spooky. But you know mm-hmm. what's a real pain in the ass? That's right. The wind, what? Josh. Especially down here in Alamosa, and I know you remember. Come fall, that oh, wind yeah. picks I up, remember. and it is just miserable. Yep. You know what was a bigger pain in the ass, Josh? Hmm. On November 15th, 2021, a freak windstorm blew in a gigantic thunderstorm that hit the city of, uh, of Aswan, Egypt. Uh, this violent storm dumped uh-huh. an unseasonable, unseasonable amount of weather that flooded most of the town. Now, this flood was twofold, because it also sent swarms of spiders, scorpions, and other reptiles into the people's, into anybody's home that was in higher ground. Oh, my God. Ugh. Oh, man. 503 people, according to the Associated Press, were hospitalized after suffering scorpion stings from the Deathstalker and Fat-Tailed varieties. Okay, I... Like you mentioned... Right, right at the very start, how I felt about spiders, and I was like, "Yeah, they're they're fine with me. I can dig it." But fuck scorpions, man! I I do not give a fuck about scorpions. They can all die, and they can go to hell. Fuck that. Ah, uh, it's so gross. Thousands, apparently, Josh. Thousands. So many that five hundred and three people were stung, and allegedly three died. I mean, I'm surprised it's not more, but I, yeah, I just, uh. 
Well, see, and that's where it gets interesting. <sighs> um, really, all this was was a case of bad luck. Because when the, you know, torrential rain hit, it flooded anything living underground up out of their underground burrows, like scorpions. Um, yeah. So they, you know, sense. naturally sought shelter, the only place they could, inside houses with people. Which I don't blame them for that, but fuck them. <laughs> I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed and disgusted. Yeah, I, I got you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But it's interesting, Josh. Do you know that scorpion venom isn't really that good at killing humans? I I think I have heard that. But but tell me more. Well, yeah, pound for pound, scorpion venom doesn't really kill humans. Um, it's a neurotoxin, much like spider venom. And apparently it is painful as hell. And there is the risk that you can die because it can cause respiratory failure. But you gotta be super, super old. Like, the only guy that died was that, you know, dude that ran the cigarette shop down the street that smoked 30 packs a day. Mm, yeah. yeah. And some comorbidities. Mm. <laughs> it's just... It's gross. But really, it's not that bad. It's just a little bite-sized candy before we round out into our final case tonight of scorpions <laughs> getting scary. Because really, it's not a punishment from the gods, but just a pain in the ass. And now we're going to talk about the actual, actual, you know, scourge of God across man. We're going to get biblical, baby. Let's get biblical. Yeah. Biblical. Biblical. <laughs> across the collective history of mankind, there is one enemy that reigns supreme, Josh. Josh, I'm getting hammered. There is one enemy that reigns supreme, and that is the locust. Dun, dun, dun. When it comes to bug-based terror, they are the number one. They are mentioned in the Iliad. They are mentioned in the Quran. They are mentioned in the Bible as a punishment from God. Yeah, I just... And and I know we uh, gave them, like, a little bit of a reference in our Bugs episode. uh, Some some two years old now. Uh, But yeah... This is not your invasion of ladybugs that came to that town in, was it like Georgia or something like that? Yeah, no, like, like the Eastern Bloc, yeah. Yeah, no, these uh, locusts, locusts can also die and they can go to hell. <laughs> oh, baby, can't they just? Um, I was going to have you go back and read the passage from Exodus, but that's hack. Because we all know that, you know, way, way back when the Lord smote Egypt with a plague of locusts and there was blackness in all the land. But Josh, what is a locust? Well, you might be actually surprised to know that they're just green grasshoppers. Hmm. Now, green grasshoppers aren't particularly fond of other green grasshoppers and don't even like to participate in swarming activities. However, if they find themselves getting in too close a proximity, a hormonal change in the grasshoppers will spike a mutation that makes them change into the larger, angrier, leaner, browner locust. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. They they do a... Yeah, like, I guess, like, a super soldier serum kind of thing? Yeah. Of their own? Or... Yeah, that's... That's so bonkers, man. Jesus. Oof. Now, you got to consider swarm mentality, but also, like, what it means to be a bug. Because you don't know. All you know is that you are a little green grasshopper, and there's too many other little green grasshoppers around you. So you instant panic, and your brain dumps the serotonin, I want to say it is, to trigger this change. 
but so does every other grasshopper at the exact same time. <laughs> they have the exact same thought. And suddenly you get an entire hatch that, you know, changes into these gigantic mutant locusts. The changing bomb bomb bomb. Um. <laughs> <laughs> two things can happen. Now, these locusts can either live out their lives normally, uh, go lay their eggs, mate and die, or the next genera- and the next generation will be born as more green grasshoppers. Or if there is enough food and it is warm enough and there is enough moisture, um, this change also gives way to increased egg production by a factor of about 400. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Wow. <laughs> These numbers wow. can increase even further depending on how hot it is. Now, Josh, the heat is what makes it all locusty up in a bitch, but you also need the moisture. Um, mm. these resulting swarms can number in the billions and they can stretch for entire miles. Each bug will daily eat its own weight in, you know, whatever it eats. And that's not a lot to think about, but when it's in the billions, those little two ounce bugs add up pretty goddamn quick. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> um, in America, perhaps the biggest swarm also in the world, Maybe we're not sure yet. Between the years of nine of eighteen seventy four to eighteen seventy seven, a one hundred ninety eight thousand square mile swarm swept across the Great Plains and ate its way as far up as the Canadian Rockies and as far down as the Gulf of Mexico and Texas. That's oh god. Um. After That's everything unreal. was said and done, the res- the resulting calculation was about two million miles of total destruction. 2 million square miles of total destruction. I... These locusts, these locusts would descend, according to one pioneer, in something that looked like a great white glistening cloud, for their wings caught the sunshine on them and made them look like a cloud of white vapor. Another man in Kansas reported saying, I never saw such a sight before. This morning we looked toward the sun and could see millions in the air. They looked like snowflakes. I... Oh, God. That's... Oh, God. That's horrible. Total crop damage in America would be estimated at $200 million in back-then money. The cloud would descend upon a farm in about a one-foot-even roiling mass that ate crops, stripped trees of their bark, anything made of wool, which, hey, Josh, what were our clothes made out of in the 1800s? As well as leather on tack and belts and shoes, because it was also made out of leather, Josh. Handles off of tools and green dress fabric. Multiple women who wore striped dresses reported accounts of locusts swarming and only eating the green, ruining the dress. People said that the sound of the locust eating crops sounded like a loud, crackling fire. Oh, God. Oh, man. Which, like... Yeah, you would think that that's, like, the end times. Uh, you, you you would think this would be, like, some huge, like, divine punishment uh, if, if, if this is what you're experiencing. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> Ugh. According to a county judge in Nebraska and the local meteorologist in the region, one Albert one Albert Child, he said that he calculated five total days for this swarm to pass overhead of his town. (sighs) 
Yeah, I... Farmers attempted to combat locust swarms, but nothing was affected. They tried to firebomb them. They attempted to dynamite fields. They would dig trenches where they... That you'd get word that the locusts were coming. Like, it wasn't something that mm-hmm. just happened. Right. You Because this is the 1800s, and we have telegraph technology, and, like, we can communicate in between towns. And so people hear that this fucking swarm of locusts is coming. Um... When it got there, farmers would attempt to do anything. Like, there was one guy who invented a plow that was basically covered in tar, and he would just wheel it across the top of these locusts and then shake it off like giant flypaper and burn the fuckers. Um, fields were dynamited and detonated, like I said. There was one guy who, like, invented a... There's a guy out of Boulder, Colorado that invented a vacuum. It was, it was basically a, like, vacuum prototype that could suck up the uh, locust when they landed. But it just didn't make any goddamn difference at all. They were there was so much of them. Uh, by the end of 1874, yeah. it was reported that one in ten families had enough to survive the winter. Yeah, that's oh my god. Because yeah, like what? Like cool, like you like vacuum up what like a thousand. There's there's billions of them. That that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean no. anything. Um, you're like, yeah, you scoop up 10,000 with your, uh, tar barrow, uh, thing. It doesn't matter. There's billions. Of them. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty goddamn rugged. Um, so Congress relegated $30,000 in funds to be set aside and then the army redistributed winter coats and boots and shoes because remember, Josh, that had been eaten too. Right, yeah. Jesus. Oh my God. Uh, farmers report, or I guess they're settlers. Anybody. Really, Josh, anybody. Because this wasn't just farms getting it. This was also towns. Um, they reported being able to smell the locusts also coming on the wind, saying they smelled like onions. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. real gross. Um, so these locusts roll into town. They eat all your crops. And then what do they do? That's right, buddy. They shit. They shit everywhere. Uh, There was a reported (laughs) slime, or or, or a reported coat of locust shit on every single surface that these bugs passed. They also turned streams and lakes brown with all the locust shit. They also derailed trains. When hordes of them would land on the warm train tracks as, you know, the season started to shift, train tracks stay warm. So these bugs would land on them to stay warm during the night. Trains would hit them and gum up the, and to quote uh, an article, gum up the wheels with bug grease. Oh, God, that's horrible. That is horrible. Horrible. Josh, it's horrible. Um the next year, the horror restarted when trillions of these fucking locusts began hatching again as green grasshoppers. But thankfully, there was a super late, super heavy snowstorm that killed all the farmers' crops and all those goddamn locusts with enough time to let the farmers, like, restart. I... Which, yeah, like, I mean... Because, right, that it's not enough that they come in and they eat everything, they eat all of your crops, they eat all of your clothes, they shit everywhere, they're uh, derailing trains. <laughs> but yeah, but then you, st- like, you still have to like grow, yeah, you still have to like grow food, you just have to like pick up and like 
try and continue on after. Oh god, I don't know, man. Maybe this. <laughs> This is this is this is messing with me a lot more than it's, I thought it would. What the fuck? It's pretty bad. There is a silver lining, according to uh, one cotton farmer in Kansas. It was a lot easier to pick cotton after a swarm had landed, because the locusts didn't like to eat the uh, cotton. Well, okay, all right, sure, yeah. They also silver didn't lining. like sugarcane. Hmm. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah, That's that one was. Yeah, sugarcane and cotton. The locusts were not into it. Huh. Um, That's... Further silver lining is called down by two wizards in our bug episode. What do you do when all your crops been eaten and you uh, don't really have any prospects? Well, that's right, Josh. Um, several recipes came out saying that if you fricasseed these locusts, will they just be goddamn delicious? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, that's what better way to uh, reclaim dominion over the natural world then uh yeah to eat whatever this thing is that's been menacing you so <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh the swarm eventually died out around 1877 it reached the uh, rocky mountains and stopped and then the canadian rockies and stopped and it's thought that it stopped um it stopped in these regions because the locusts didn't like uh conifer trees Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so like, hey, I'd be safe. Cha-cha-cha. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not the only place that locusts have, you know, totally fucked shit up, Josh. In 1915, a swarm of locusts struck around Palestine, Mount Lebanon, and Syria. Um, this is credited with sparking um, a super famine that killed a bunch of people in, uh, in Syria. Just... Right off the bat, <laughs> a bunch of people died because all these locusts came up after a what? That's right, hot, dry summer followed by rain. In autumn 2003, desert locusts. Now, we should point out that desert locusts in Africa are different from, you know, the American grasshopper, but it's still the same type of deal. Hot temperatures and lots of rain, as well as close distribution, trigger the change mechanism and will still make the bugs change. But instead of being scary and brown, they have pink highlights on their legs. Oh, interesting. Okay. So, yeah, they're just they're prettier. Um, hmm. In 2003, a desert locust swarm hit Senegal. It destroyed crops there, but it also devastated their peanut fields. Apparently, Senegal's biggest production is peanut fields. I did not know that, and I learned that this week. Hmm. All right. Now, this might have been well enough terrible, but it also coincided with four other unrelated outbreaks around Matritania, or Mali, Niger, and the Sudan. These... Five swarms all coalesced into one mega swarm. For about six months there, they were their numbers were boosted by inclement rain patterns and super, super hot temperatures that just drove this locust machine. Um, oh, the swarm was God. estimated to be about 69 billion locusts. I mean, first, nice. But also, just... Because <laughs> you just keep on eating. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry i'm gross no that was awesome oh my god that was awesome yeah i man. in 2016 in argentina a swarm of locusts destroyed 19,000 square miles of crops this was the largest swarm that had been in uh argentina for 60 years and was predated or predicted by what josh that's right lots of rain and warm warm temperatures <laughs> 
Um, and the last big locust swarm we have started in 2019. It ranged across East Africa from the Congo up into Saudi Arabia, into the Sudan, down into Uganda, and across the Arabian Peninsula into parts of India, Pakistan, Nepal, and Iran. In total, 23 countries were affected. Um, initial attempts to stop these things were underway, but by April 20th of 2020... Or sorry, by April of 2020, already 2.25 million acres of land had already been destroyed in Kenya. And then guess what happened in April 2020, Josh? Uh, what what happened in April 2020, Mark? This little thing called COVID totally halted any locust preventative measures across the globe. These measures were stopped, and these locusts got to run roughshod. They're still kind of running roughshod, and we don't know the final total amount of destruction. God damn it. <laughs> and Josh, what started this gigantic fucking ultra mega locust swarm? That's right, buddy. Some hot, hot heat and lots and lots of rain. And oh, baby, mm. wasn't there just record rainfall and flooding across the world? Why, just this last year? Just this last year. Oh, no. 2024 is going to be the year of the locust swarm. <laughs> They're coming. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. They're coming. They're coming. They're coming. They're coming. They're coming. America's due for an outbreak. Fucking Greece is going to get hit. Fucking Pakistan's going to... Fucking India, all of them. Like, we are... Already, we're fucked. But I bet you you didn't have a fucking biblical locust plague on your 2024 no. bingo card. That No, like, the, what what I had in mind for my 2024 bingo card um, was, like, getting fucked by the academic job market uh, <laughs> after I graduate. But, uh, yeah, I guess any sort of interviews uh, that I'll have coming up... Um, I guess I should start prepping my answer to, so Josh, when you join our this department, um, what will you do to help slow the locust menace? <laughs> what can you do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, we're, uh, we're excited to see how active you are uh, with uh, some of these academic conferences and your work on translation seems really promising, but... Have you invented a giant roller to, like, tar the theater building? <laughs> Have you put a cow catcher on a train in an attempt to <laughs> scoop the dead locust off so they don't gum up the wheels and derail you? You haven't? Well, I'm sorry. There's no position for you here. Damn yeah, it. Sorry. Right. We're, yeah. we're really looking for somebody who had, uh, uh, yeah, who had some, like, vacuuming locust um, experience on their CV. Um, plus, we see that you're wearing a green tie, which that's just, you know, that's just asking for trouble. <laughs> oh, my God. So. How you doing, buddy? Well, I, I was just going to say, it, it, it seems like, um, you know, I, I, I even forgot to kind of bring this up in the farming episode, right? Like the, the, the refrain, uh, that we often return to here at the Two Wizards podcast, Paula Tadena, all the amazing things that that humankinds can do, uh, and yeah, like even like farming gets a shout out in that song. He's like, yeah, man is able to uh, uh, plow the immortal earth, uh, and he's able to tame the the shaggy uh, mountain ox. Um, but goddamn, I guess like locusts and Okay, no. This is what we have to do. We have to take those uh, killer bees, these Africanized bees. Uh, we have to also crossbreed them with 
some of these spiders so that they're venomous bees that can spin webs, uh, inject all these locusts with poison, uh, venom, um, and maybe that's it. Maybe this is like, maybe we haven't gone sci-fi channel original movie enough. Maybe that's our, maybe that's our way out of this, um, cata- this, yeah, looming catastrophe here. <laughs> <laughs> more, more man-made horrors beyond our comprehension. Okay. Yeah, more man-made, okay. yeah, just double, triple, quadruple down on the man-made horrors beyond, uh, where's, where's Liam Neeson? And can we get him enrolled in an entomology course? <laughs> <laughs> I have a very particular set of bees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a very particular set of bees. Oh, that's so, he just he like opens up his trench coat. He has like vials. He has like, like vials sewn into the lining of his trench coat. It's, it's like, All right, boyos. Now it's up to you. <laughs> All right, bios, b b b bios, boy, boy, boy. I don't. I got nothing. I'm sorry. Bad bit. Stop it, Mark. <laughs> no, that was awesome. Oh god. Which yeah, I guess. Which like. But there's also part of me that that also can't help dwell on that too, right? Like, you were talking about how many of these fears. About, yeah, these like scary, creepy crawlies uh, get like hyped up through media. They get hyped up through like, oh, here's this very scary looking spider. Um, Here's all this political campaign ads that make you freak out. Um, But but, but, but it's not but it's not even addressing like the truly existential threat. Like, okay, yeah, you you get stung a couple dozen times by some bees. Yeah, that's going to suck. Uh, but if you're not allergic, you're going to live. Um, we haven't had a death to a black widow spider in 40 years. Mm-hmm. But these motherfucking locusts are coming. And nobody's talking about it. Nobody's talking about it! Yeah, we really need to be super... Like I said, I, we need to be really afraid of this. Especially with... And again, I'm not trying to beat like the, the climate change drum here. But like, you know... Um, but also Florida that. Was consecutively yeah. had 100 degree oceans this summer. Like... Um, what yeah. we reached the hottest temperature it's ever been in our recorded history this year. So, Hey man, we're, we're fucked yeah. and it will come. God damn it. I'm super mad that the Christians were right. And they called down the locust devastation. You know, the, the locust features in the end of days. Uh, the, the, yeah. The, the horde has the form of the locust and it spread across the land. Josh, like God is 2023 yeah. when he doubled down and like Mark becomes a Christian. I mean, Look, all I'm saying is I went to a uh, Greek festival, um, probably our our last one here in Columbus, if we end up really locating something like that. And I was telling myself, like, man, this this Orthodox church is, like, sure pretty. Um, it kind of sucks that, like, there's this long history of, like, no, the women sit over here. Like, that kind of sucks. But, I mean, I don't know, man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> maybe that Pascal's wager, you know, we could hedge our bets a little bit if and when the locusts come. So I Pascal's I don't locust. Know. <laughs> Pascal's locust. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! At any rate, I hope you're adequately yeah. spooked and scared of the oncoming home intruders, Josh and listeners. Um, yeah, yeah, I. I'm really glad to get all that B shit out of my head. I've had that in my, I haven't had that B shit for 
about been, a week now. Yeah, it's just been buzzing and buzzing around, and you just can't, you just can't get it out of your head. Um, well, well, shaking out my shoes. I'm not going to get bit yeah, by shaking. a boner spider. God help me. <laughs> Although I also couldn't help but but like do a little kind of like simultaneous research. Uh, and it looks like the Brazilian wandering spider might also um, be like a new ground-breaking path uh, for treating er- erectile dysfunction. So yeah, yeah, that's. I mean, because leave it to yes, humans, boner Tadena. We're always gonna fucking yeah. figure out a way to keep getting hard. Yeah, and uh, even amid the locust swarm of 2024, this impending. Uh, catastrophic e- event. <laughs> we'll just meet that head on, so to speak. <laughs> you know what gets me hard, buddy? What's that? When people reach out to us at Two Wizards Pod C One <gasps> or Two That's Wizards true. Podcast on Gmail dot com or the Two Wizards Podcast at Instagram <laughs> or Facebook or maybe me at Marky Stardust and say, "Hey man, this was awesome. I learned a lot." Or, "Hey man, this seems a lot like." Yeah. An episode of another podcast. Well, hey, fuck you, because do you know how much, like, there's not a lot of research out there, and it's hard to be original, and I tried my ass yeah. off, so don't come at me with that. I will bat Listen, you away, and you will not kill me with your thousand stings of internet hatred. Yeah, there's a there's a thing that happens when one podcast starts to realize, man, there's a whole lot of other podcasts around me, and I'm kind of feeling, like, encroached upon we release a neurotransmitter. We release a hormone into our system that, like, gets us. Because, yes, there are many podcasts out there, and sometimes they retread the same stuff that we do, or sometimes we, tra- we re- retread the stuff that they do. But, but you know what? We're the only podcast that gets horned up for mayhem. Uh, and that is because that, that is because of the tireless efforts of like Mark, for instance, taking lead on this episode and doing prep and Mark, you did a wonderful job. Uh, I, you, I learned a lot. This is, this is, this is, I think a great opening to uh, spooky season, 2023 and listeners, we're just getting started. Uh, we learned our lesson. We're not doing a month of ghosts. We're not doing ghost month anymore <laughs> that I think we were all getting sick and tired of that. Uh, Join but- us next month for ghost ship starring Brad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, look, there you go. Um, but, uh, but, but there will be more to come. We, we will get into some ooky spooky, uh, uh, media recommendations about things to watch, games to play, things to read, stuff like that. We're, we'll, we will be doing that. Um, but, uh, but yes, always, always check in with us, um, uh, on, on our socials. Uh, and, and, and yes, and we'll, and we'll, we'll, we'll continue to celebrate the ooky spooky season and the uh, colder weather that will kill off most of, but not all of these these horrible things. Uh, but uh, ooh, there you go. Um, there you we go. will also get we will also get more um, pumpkin beer. So, Mark, thank you for uh, leading this episode. Always great. Always a pleasure. Um, listeners, check us out. Uh, find find some of our back catalog. Go back to some of our, our other. Um, October episodes and get get horned up for spooky season. Um, uh, and thank you for joining us here as we kick off another one. Uh, my name is Josh and I'm a wizard. And my name is Mark and I'm a wizard. Thank you for listening, guys. We love you all, everyone. Take care. Good night. He rolled upon his back and after that I killed